Hi, this is Emily Gibson. And this is Caitlin McFarland. And we're the co-founders of ATX Television Festival. And you are listening to the TV Campfire. Uh, okay, let's talk about sex. Oh, scenes. Mm. Very cute. I wish that we had uh, a DJ that could like really play the salt. It's a salt. Why don't you just sing it? No, that's cute that you thought I'd fall for that. Mm. I'm not gonna. That would be amazing. And I would make sure that it was not cut out of the final version. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about this panel is we talked about it a lot leading into the festival. Yes. Our Inside ATX podcast and building this particular panel so we can continue to talk about it. Some of you didn't listen to that. But this panel, generally, we kind of saw the like anatomy of it until the final version, which we get to play for you today. I know. And I love that. I mean, this started just quick recap. If you did not listen to the pre-festival podcast was the idea was originally given to us by advisory board member Glenn Mazzara, whom we adore. It's something that he's been dealing with and talking about. And it's really about how to have safe filming of sex scenes <laughs> in the current landscape right now, where I feel like stories are starting to come out of people being forced to do very uncomfortable things in front of a camera, in front of a room full of people. And so how you can still have a realistic, authentic, if you will, sex scene on camera, but then make sure that everyone feels comfortable and that really the actors have someone to talk to in case something starts to go too far. And I'm not saying like actual sex. Yeah, yeah. Not, we're not going but yeah. there. But in a, I mean, Body parts and But I no think that that and... was the thing that really got me about when Glenn was talking about this is the idea that it's not just about kind of like a coordination of if something goes wrong. It's having the conversations before you ever get there, like giving people the outlet to say this is what's going to happen, like not in five minutes, but maybe in five days. How do you feel about it? What do we need to do to make you feel comfortable? Let's talk about like consent and those kinds of things. And the idea of the rise of the intimacy coordinator, which is a position that just didn't really exist at all a few years ago and does now. And we got Alicia Rodas on this one, which she does all of David Simon's stuff. And I think in a lot of ways, if she didn't originate the role of intimacy coordinator, she's definitely at the top of the list of somebody who's sort of created this field, which I think is really interesting, too. Which and it all makes sense. If you have a stunt person mm -hmm. there which to protect people, to which is how she transitioned, <laughs> then to this feels genuinely like the next, well, should have been an earlier step, but a nice evolution of how do we make sure people feel safe and comfortable and can do their best work. Because if someone is very uncomfortable, especially in filming these types of scenes, yeah. you can't get any sort of To me, it's realistic. like, as somebody who didn't, has not been on set to see this happen, to me, it's like the mixture of a stunt coordinator or coordinating a dance scene. Yes. And then now an additional level of like HR. <laughs> like, well, and the interesting part of it too is what that I think people need to realize is some people are much more comfortable than other people. Mm -hmm. So it's not that every scene you ever have watched on TV is this really uncomfortable filming and that the actress or actor has like horrible memories from filming this and hated every second of it. So I feel that part of this too is starting about that just the beginning conversation with the actors of saying, where does your comfort mm -hmm. lie in this? And then I think you also hear horror stories of directors changing things last minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, no, your shirt's going to be off in this scene when the actress was like, I'm sorry, that was not written here. I had no idea that was going to be part of it. Right. And even that mental... And having that outlet and being able to, like, work with your showrunner and director and this coordinator and have, like, a collaborative experience about it. But it is interesting as this panel, you're right, going back, like, Glenn has been wanting to do this panel for a long time at various places and wasn't able to do it. Twist of the universe, he was going to moderate this, but then he got a job. And it's a very important reason to have a very job. good job that we're excited yeah. about. Um, hopefully we get to talk about it soon. But he couldn't come. And so he tapped Joy Blake, who's a writer on Outlander and other things to moderate for him. And so he did give her talking points and like helped her sort of shape the conversation beyond her own points of view. But that was twist number one. <laughs> yes. And then we wanted to have it balanced with writers, actors, and an intim intimacy coordinator. So at one point, we had a male and a female actor. First, it was Matt Loria. And then Nikki Michaud, who is an actress on Animal Kingdom, in addition to writer Tanya Siracho from Vita. And then 
Matt was on it until the very last minute. I, <laughs> I think it was like less than 24 hours. Matt got very sick and could not get on, like, physically could not get on a plane. And instead of sort of rushing, this is, I think, a really good example of like what we do in the sense that it wasn't enough to pull the panel. Like that wasn't necessary. But instead of just sometimes we're like, okay, I just need a writer on this panel. Find any writer with any point of view. We didn't do that with this one and just decided to leave it as is. So it was an all-female panel, which was also really interesting. And it probably got to be not that Matt would be an extremely masculine point of view that would change what they were comfortable with saying. But having only women on the panel, I think, allowed for them to tell different perspectives, different types of stories. Maybe not, but it's interesting. It is interesting. interesting in a way that I, I mean, think this panel turned out fantastic, and I'm excited for people to hear them. But I really did want the I male did. perspective on I agree. it. And uh, fortunately for with Matt, he was going to be, I think, one of the more perfect people that you could put into this position. And A, we know that he's a good person. We know that he's respectful mm-hmm. of women and that he has had some very crazy sex scenes Mm -hmm. in his career. And so to really be able to talk about how he is uncomfortable going into them and what he does and then just the conversations, because I know one of his, like his kingdom co-star, Natalie, they became very close. So also, what is that relationship like where Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where they became close in the filming of it. So if you have a sex scene before you really know each other and then what it's like after you've gotten to know each other. So I just think that it would have been great to have him, but I think that it's an amazing panel. And we love him. And it's not his fault that he couldn't be there. No, he'll come back. There's many things. We could even have this panel 2.0. Like, there's various versions of it. And I think as the position sort of grows and as the sort of time in the world grows and evolves, like, there will be more and more needs to have more of these people and more different types of them. And I'm just excited that we got to host it. Yes. I'm very proud of it. So I hope that everybody enjoys listening to Let's Talk About Sex in parentheses scenes (laughs) moderated by joy blake thank you welcome let's let's talk about sex scenes i'm gonna get right to it and introduce the rest of our panel so we can get into all the good stuff that i know all of you people came here to hear Uh, So first up is Alicia Rodas. She's an intimacy coordinator with uh, HBO on her third season of The Deuce. And next up is Nikki Michaud. She's an actor. You've seen her on everything from The Shield, Six Feet Under, Lincoln Heights, and In the Dark. And finally, Tanya Saracho, creator of Vida. Welcome, ladies. I can't believe they let four ladies up here to just chit-chat about sex. I know, it's beautiful. It's pretty pretty mind-blowing, so thank you, ATX, for hosting this. Sorry. Oh, look at that, look at that. Sorry. I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to ask Nikki to think back to the first sex scene you ever had to perform on camera and describe for us how you translated words on a page into something living and breathing. Who helped you through that process? Okay. Um, I'm glad I'm on a couch and looking at chandeliers to make it feel pretty. Um, (laughs) You know, my first sex scene um, was... I didn't really have anyone to um, sort of prepare me for it. Um, you just sort of get assigned. It was a part of the script. It was my first episode on the show. It was a dream sequence, so it wasn't really supposed to be real. So it was pretty vague on the page. It was just hot. Okay. And, um, and I was pretty nervous about it. The guy that I was doing the scene with was great. And so we did what was kind of standard, just put you kind of hang out a little bit, a little lunch, a little dinner, just trying to get more conversational. And I had been told you should let people know what you're willing to do. So you get really specific, like, how specific? How, how? Okay, yeah. so you get really specific about you can touch me here, you can't touch me there, you can't tongue me. You know, I'm, I had my specifics of, like, what, what I was comfortable with. And... Um, he started talking about like some people actually do real things. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do real things. I, I, I think these are this is what I would like. Um, and so then when we did the scene, I was a complete freak of nature because, you know, it was fully nude. And I had um, these uh, skin colored felt pieces covering uh, the genital areas, but then they wouldn't stick. 
Yeah, so it was so they were coming on and so then they and then they wanted to show my butt, but the thing they had put on my privates was like a G-string, so it was like felt colored flap. But then there was a black string. Well, you can see the string. So the string had to come off. So then they had to figure out, well, how are we going to get this felt thing to stick to her coochie? So um, so it was top to the front. And they were trying to stick it underneath in the middle. You know, it's, it's it, you know, vaginal area is like, you know, you can't stick top stick like down there. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad we can laugh about this yeah. now. Because <laughs> like, I was having a complete freak out. And... Um, and then, and then I realized that we couldn't do the, the pasty thing because, again, you can't show that. So even though I had made the rule he couldn't touch my breast, I was like, listen, I need you to put your hand here because I didn't want anyone else to see it. I was like, just you. Um, and then, um, so that was going on, and, and, and it was all just kind of a freak. I mean, um, I was crying in the makeup chair. The producer had to come. I know, I was crying in the makeup chair because, well, okay, now we have to talk a little bit about race because I'm a black girl. And... Um, all my life, I've been a um, dark-skinned black girl, and I was not the image of beauty. So for me, all of a sudden, I was in a sex scene. I was like, it's a trick. They don't really think I'm pretty. Like, it's a dream sequence. Yeah. And so I was freaking out because they didn't want to put body makeup on me because everything on set is like, rush, rush, we got to go, we got to go. And I'm like, I need my makeup. And because I thought, oh, it's a trick. They don't want me to look pretty. Like, it's, a, it's like some sort of twisted joke that, you know, like, it's like when you're overweight or whenever you're not the thing, you, you're like, you don't know what the intention. I mean, I wasn't the star of the show. I was a guest star. So I'm having my meltdown, and the producer's like, don't you know you're pretty? I'm like, I don't know. Okay, so um, um, so now I'm naked. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now I'm naked and, and having to feel pretty. And and uh, so the guy, during the sex scene, and no one, you don't like practice, I mean, you could practice making out. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> but we didn't practice making out, and so he's on top of me, and he's literally like getting a foot of air, and I'm like, what are you doing? Because he's pounding, but he's not pounding um, my middle, he's pounding my stomach. And so I'm just like, yo, like that, that's like, this is a real body here. So, um, and then when they flip, the, the director's like calling everything because he's behind watching on the monitor and it was supposed to be a closed set, but they still had monitors. So he flips me and then the coochie flap falls forward. So the camera's right there. Welcome to porno land, yes. So that was my first experience. Um, I can't remember if I had drinks that day or not. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But but it was like, it, but the hard part was really that and then the aftermath, which was like, I just did that. You know, I mean, in the one hand, it was like, yeah, I did. That was cool. On the other hand, there's all the societal judgment that comes with what you just did, you know, as a woman. And that's really where it's this sort of this double-edged sword of, of what we do, because I think that I went on to do sex scenes and nudity stuff probably five years straight in everything that I did. Um, so it was... Um, I learned a lot. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole process, but um, it's definitely, that was, that's the first one. That was quite a warm-up. <laughs> I tried to warn you. <laughs> I, lo I love it. It gets right to the heart of what we're talking about here today. And Alicia, who's a co-founder of Intimacy Directors International, who, this is a new role in television. So where you were having, you know, people working on a felt flap and, who knows what? Nobody was really in charge of it. Right. Um, there's this new role in productions everywhere for intimacy directors. Um, Alicia, Alicia, IDI has on their website what they call the five pillars of rehearsal and performance practice for sex scenes. Um, context, how the sex scene fits into story. Communication between all the actors and the departments. Uh, consent, meaning nobody can do the scene unless they're consenting to it. Choreography, just like we choreograph stunts, we should be doing this with sex scenes. The final pillar is closure, which I think is such a radically simple idea. Could you talk a little bit about these five pillars and especially the, the concept of closure? Uh, yeah, um, and I just have so, so, so many feelings about the things that you just talked about because that has been it's been my experience doing scenes like that and it's been the experience of most actors that i work with um and there is uh you know just like stunts are coordinated and anything else uh on set is coordinated hopefully to a t with also um other plans in case things go awry um, we feel strongly that sex scenes and intimate scenes and even just scenes of nudity should have that kind of coordination and that there is communication beforehand to all the actors and even knowing exactly what, you know, there are modesty garments like felt and there are barriers where 
you know, you don't have to have your genitals up against another actor's genitals because it's like, what's that line between sex work and being a performer at work represented by your union? Um, so all, all that to say, um, uh, as far as the uh, all the pillars, at the end we have closure, which um, looks different for every process and looks different for uh, whether you're working in theater, you're working in film and TV. Um, and, you know, I work on The Deuce. Uh, I work on, on a few different shows where there is a lot of uh, simulated sex that um, that is is transactional in in the story, mm. um, but also some that are are very emotional within the story and emotionally connected within the story. Um, we put closure in, and it could be anything from a a ritual, a moment of like eye contact between the actors of like closing down that moment to a handshake, eye contact of thank you so much for a great day today. You know, and sometimes it'll even be as simple as. All right, we're moving on to the next scene. Would you please thank your coworker? Because just a reminder, we're at work, and this is a coworker, and it's a, it's one that reminder as far as as professionals, but also um, it's a psychological quarantine that we can really live, that we can lean into as actors. That we just did this moment, and beautiful, we had a beautiful, authentic moment together, and now we're done, and now we're going, and that probably helps having less actors walk away as you did and feel like, wait, what did I just do? What just happened? Well, I think it's it's the whole process. You know, I think opening up from the beginning, um, because a lot of times sex scenes, are, they're not treated with any sort of specialness. There's just another scene to get through. And I think um, like you have, we take a lot of care when we do scenes with guns. Mm-hmm. We take a lot of care when we do scenes with, with fights. I think the same care needs to be applied across the board to um, sex scenes. And I think particularly with the... Thank you. Um, I think particularly with transactional stuff, because I did a show where it was a brothel, so they were literally felt like they were pulling guys off the street um, to do stuff with, and it's just like... um, (laughs) Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's just... You're on location, and who's in line today to be the John? And, Mm. um, And that's difficult you know what i mean and that's where you get into the um i think like where you have the closure i think it's even the opening mm-hmm. because i even had one scene where i literally met the guy at craft service and t- a minute later you know it was a whole other ball game mm-hmm. you okay. know um so we rehearse the sex scene we choreograph it two days before and yeah, nice. and yeah. we have um uh, well we have female everything in my show. So my female DPs there, my female first AD, my, my female producers, me, um, the showrunner and the director was usually female. I only, um, staff Latinas this season. Yeah. Um, so it, a lot of female. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. And we rehearse the scene with a lot of care. And then we make a contract because the DPs there and they communicate with the actor every shot, what they're going to be seeing, what, and then a costume has already told us if we're going to have a barrier like the little pillow so that mm-hmm. genitals don't touch. And yeah. we, there's a lot of sex on my show, right? A ton. <laughs> there's a and, lot. And I would <laughs> never pull just whatever person out. We we hired um, uh, someone like you, and we um, uh, uh, cast it from um, people who were comfortable being naked and doing sex that, for, that, that she really knew. Really beautiful. And yeah. then we... I just wish it happened, like, <laughs> right? you know... <laughs> Everywhere else. And then we, because my lead actress, um, um, a number one on the call sheet, had to be the one in this, um, the world's saddest orgy, which is how we opened our season. Um, <laughs> but it's like six, eight hours. So you have to be there and had one, actually two guys she had to be with. And she, I had her choose the guys. I said, you get to choose who you want to do that with, you know? Because it's her body, you know? And we kept checking in with her. We had the expert, you know, there mm-hmm. the whole time checking in with not just her, everybody. So like, um, on Vida, we're so careful and aware of that, especially because, and also with uh, cis males, because in, on my show, you see a lot of dick, but you won't see the other stuff, you know? So, um, <laughs> and we have, you, that's, you know, there's a vulnerability too that we, yeah. we take for granted for that. So like, anyway, I, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That would well, never happen to you on my show. It's not just me. This is everybody. No, yeah. no, no. Don't, don't get it twisted. No, this happens. Okay. You have one show. Yeah. I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. But these stories I'm telling you, I've been an actor for over 25 years. This is random stuff. 
This is normal, normal stuff. And what I think we need are industry-wide standards. Because what you don't want is to sort of cross your fingers and pray you get someone beautiful in charge. Um, you want this should be industry wide, and we have to figure out a way. Well, stars uh, requires this. The, the rehearsal, uh, the stars, the whole I mean, Particularly because particularly for the young actor, and I don't mean young in age, I mean young in acting years, because you're you're so desperate to have a job. You know, people say yes to a lot of things that they may or may not want to do, and if there's not industry standards, and I mean so that when you're on location in Scottsdale or wherever you are, these are the standards so that you empower the artist writing directing and, and acting to know this is what we do. This is how it's done because we don't all, most, most, there's a lot of independent projects out there that are, um, I'm really scared of nudity on those projects mm -hmm. because, um, mm -hmm. you know, you just run into, you don't know what kind of personalities you're running into. I mean, there's a reason. Let's think about how broad the Me Too movement is. Think about how many people are complaining about being taken advantage of. And now we're going to all work together. You don't know who you're working with, you know, and you're coming in and you're exposing yourself. So, I think that we want to use what you guys do as a model. At Stars, which is, uh, I'm, I'm following Stars, so all Star shows so in that network. And I know other, so it's not just, I, I didn't just come up with it, you know? So I feel like Damn. it's starting to be. I mean, <laughs> you can take no, credit, girl. The legal yeah. stuff. <laughs> the legal stuff they, they're so careful with. I mean, they had Spartacus. They have um, right. Outlander. They yeah, have yeah. Uh, shows that are. You know, very sexy. It requires the network and it requires yeah. bringing in intimacy coordinators. And I think it requires involvement from unions. Yeah. And I think it requires, you know, everybody believing that advocating for this is the right thing to do. So much of what we're talking about, Tanya, I believe starts on the page. If you script a sex scene, you should script a sex scene the way that you would an action scene. It needs to be specific. I'm sure you've had this experience. Writers are sometimes very, they feel very vulnerable doing it. Never mind that the actors will feel vulnerable if they just get a scene that says they fumble with some buttons and fall into bed. <laughs> That's not enough. So how do you foster the kind of writer's room where writers feel comfortable pitching and comfortable putting on the page things that, you know, they, that, that feel like, oh, if I write this, will they think this is what I did last night? You know, it's, that's very much in writers' heads. So how do you foster that kind of open creativity? We had a panel with my writers here yesterday, and I think they talked about it a little bit. Um, they, so we have a mostly female, we have one cis male, um, mostly queer Latina, um, room, um, Latinx room. And, um, we get very, because I, I started off, I get very, um, raw and um because this show was going to be this always and so like the stories that we we tell in the writer's room don't even end up on the you know it's like i think like 10 percent of them do and so by the time we've discussed it so much that by the time we it gets on the page it's specific it's real it's been very workshop like there was a scene between a non-binary person and um emma uh who is a femme top and we workshop that scene so much because it, we have skin in the game. We want to get it right, you know? Um, so when we saw it, realized it was beat by beat what we had written, you know? Um, same thing with, well, there was uh, the scene that I directed um, in the finale. Uh, well, there was like a, we split into three uh, scenes. We workshopped the um, we worshipped it before, like on a sidewalk with the, like, I was like, like really was like, can you handle her with your thighs and stuff? Like we were, we, I was real, I was talking to the actors, like, do you think that this is what the, you know, that Nico would do? And she was like, yeah, I can totally hold her on my thighs. It's fine. Like, and we were like on a sidewalk, like by crafty, like, um, <laughs> working it out because I wanted to know, especially like with Roberta Colindres, who's, um, um, a queer brown actress that I really respect. I've worked with in the theater. I want to know what you think about the sex scene. Let's, Make it the sex scene we think it should be here, you know? Um, the, and, and so, and uh, specificity is super important, like uh, the washing of the hands um, when, when you know. that moment. we fuck with our hands, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, that was, that's really important. It's, and it's been funny to have to explain that to people. Be like, why did you wash your hands? I'm like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> 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 this is how we have sex, you know? Um, so... Um, and then also like condom on a vibrator, like yeah. that whole, all those, and those, I, my uh, episodes are very overblown because they're very detailed and we go beat by beat so that when we do get into that rehearsal, that to choreograph that rehearsal, it's very clear sort of why and how we're getting there, you know? I think those two moments you mentioned are moments that stood out to me because they, 
begin the conversation about protection and safe sex in ways that, you know, hetero couples wouldn't think about. Um, the washing of the hands was just so brilliant because it was like, hold, please. And I think, you know, in some ways, and maybe you all have feelings about this, do we have a responsibility to show those awkward moments? You know, you see two characters who don't know each other well or haven't been together before. I am always, as a viewer, going, do I see a condom? No. If this bitch gets pregnant, I'm out. Like, I'm so tired of like, you bang once and you're pregnant. And that's the story. Like, I, I do wonder, do we have a responsibility to take time to show these moments? I remember the condom at the orgy, too. Yeah. So we have a hetero condom and a homo condom. Yeah. Like, use both because it's they're used. And Planned Parenthood um, thanked us. They're, oh, that's thank wonderful. You for that. Yes. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, and and absolutely, I, I I do think that there is an element of responsible storytelling in in the work of doing nudity and simulated sex, and having you know the right representation in the writers' room and the right representation during the process to make sure that everyone is heard. I I, you know, I I recognize I am I am a white woman that is walking into the room and and a straight white woman when I am walking into a room. And if we are going to tell a different story and it's not in front of us, then I would recommend that they have that they have representation throughout this process. How many how many well, intimacy directors are there? I mean, there's a limited number, right? So are there people that you can call in and say, hey, I, I don't know how to cover this Scene. Well, I want to be specific. For film and TV, we use the term intimacy coordinator. Intimacy um, coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Any anytime a director title comes in, it yeah. is going to be bad yeah. news. <laughs> and every and, feather is ruffled. Oh yeah, yeah. And truly, we do coordinate more. You know, yeah. we're it's not our artistic vision in there. We're there to to uphold the artistic vision of of those who who are already there. Um, so. Uh, as far as how many of us are there, um, you know, this just started, you know, we started our organization in 2015 and started creating these protocols. And I love what you talked about, about the the unions having to get behind going through these protocols, which I know is is in the works right now. But, you know, much like even this position, it's a thing when the industry dictates it's a thing. So the more that HBO you know, we created all these new protocols and have mandated an intimacy coordinator on set. The more that stars and Amazon and other networks and studios get behind saying, no, we are going to go way above what SAG-AFTRA or ACTRA or UK Equity is giving you, um, that's when everyone else is going to follow suit and get on board. Um, I think that's really important. But I wanted to jump back to um, the responsibility question, because it's an interesting, interesting thing to talk about responsibility in art. And I think that um, sex scenes are really great, especially when they're fantasy, and that's sort of the point of them. It's it's larger than life. The violence in movies is larger than life. And so I don't necessarily think that we want to saddle down the creativity with a teachable moment all the time. I mean, you can, but, I mean, where's fantasy? Where's the fun? Where's the escape? Right. You know, and so, and also I think, um, you know, not everybody's using condoms. I mean, I think you're better off having a tag at the end, you know, <laughs> You know, like, hey, we really we had no a lot babies of fun. were made you in the filming of this show. <laughs> There's no babies created, and you should use a condom at home. Thank you. Um, because I mean, because I look at the violence of John Wick, and I'm like, we're going to be responsible on sex. You know, I'm like, come on, it's true. It's true. So many people are much more comfortable. I don't know how many people have young children at home, but people are more comfortable watching battle scenes and, and gunplay than they are sex scenes with their kids. I mean, I think we would be doing good just to really allow men and women to have expressive, real sex, sexual centers, because so much of what we have is objectification. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I think if we can start to have, you know, real sexual, I don't, how would I say it? Um, just realism and sex? Yes, but not fantasy. Then. Well, no, I still want fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> she I, wants it all. My show is not fantasy. My show is uh, uh, steeped in in reality, and I want the awkwardness. I want um, uh, like there's a scene between Mighty where they don't even know how to get on the on the. It takes a long time. I but think I, that's great. That uh -huh. that I think is important to show. We haven't shown brown people like. Um, 
doing everything. You know, we've been uh, away from the narrative that uh, you know of this country. So I feel I feel like we need to take up that space. It, and realism for me um, with the show uh, feels like the the right way to be like, this is how we really do it. This is how. We do it. <laughs> I think that's the beauty beauty of art. Yeah, you can you do. That's the all... beauty of art is like you know you don't want to say oh and now we need to have this responsibility. We can do realism. We can do fantasy. We can you know we can do erotic. We can do beautiful. We can do boring. You know, we can depends do, on the vision, you know, what, what we want to do. What, you don't it. want. I don't think art should be burdened mm. with with that type of thing all the time. Agreed. Yeah. And I think you you really marinate in those moments in your sex scenes. I mean, I can't I lost track of the number of times my husband would come in and say, all I hear is heavy breathing. What are you watching? <laughs> I was like, it's for work. Trust me. But I think that's that's how you get to those awkward moments. And I mean, even when I was I when I was uh, catching up on Outlander, I joined in season three and four. So I had to again. He was like, "What are you? What? How is this homework?" When you live in those moments oh, and wedding, let them that play wedding out. Episode. I know. And Kenny's brilliant. She's just brilliant. But you know, you you allow the actors and 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 the writers to really just beat by beat say this is what it's like for real people when you take your clothes off you know it's not all just up against a wall and everybody gets off in five minutes i put that in my scripts all the time this is not one of those like push against the wall when does that go well for you in real life (laughs) ow you're like ow you know like when it's like that that trope that I love the the awkward shower scene with Cruz and Emma where it's like this this is never working for me that's just like I told you the shower never works I told the shower never works (laughs) yeah you know I do think though that it is because yes we should be able to exercise our creativity on if it is going to be is this be more realistic what are we looking at um, mm-hmm. But I think that's also part of the communication that has to be with the actors as far as what this is looking at. Because I, you know, people often think that if I'm coming on board, they're like, oh, she's going to sanitize everything and make it not sexy. It's like, no, 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 whatever you want to do, as long as we all know about it so the actors can sign off on that, know what the action is, how we're cheating it. Um, and then it can be even more sexy because people feel yeah. freer to really commit to it. I think that's it. really valid because um, they're especially when you go back to what you said about writing the sex scenes, because I've actually auditioned for parts and they say there is a sex scene, but it's not in the, in the audition. So you're auditioning. You have no idea what you're signing on to. And that's sort of, um, and that was, that was on stars. And it's frustrating because you don't, you don't, once you get the job, you don't want to be the pain in the ass. (laughs) You know, you want to, you want to go along, but you don't, you don't even know what you've agreed to. Right, but with the help of somebody like Alicia being on board, I mean, what is the reception when you join a production? What have, what have you experienced? Are people grateful? Are the actors grateful? Are showrunners abdicating their power to you because they don't want to have a conversation that includes the word labia, you know? <laughs> I can't tell you... <laughs> I can't tell you the number of, of rooms I've been in, meetings I've been in, where I ask even the, so what, so... What are we talking about? Or it says they make love. What does that mean to you? And just the pause, pause, pause. Yeah. Um, the reception is it is different with every context. Uh, in general, actors are thrilled. Um, there are sometimes that actors say, "Oh, I don't think I really need this," and and I'm like, "Cool, great. Like, I'm really comfortable. I'm like, that's fantastic. So this will be a really easy process for it. I'm just gonna." Uh, read back the information I have and make sure that's cool with you. And then by the end of it, they're like, why, why didn't I have this before? Oh, no, it's, I would think it would be amazing to have a third party, you know, just in terms of talking it out. I mean, I think it's great. Although we've had, um, I've worked with some really great directors and you've had a chance to talk mm-hmm. it out a lot. Um, but I think it would be just great for someone not involved to sort of like unt- untangle it. Mm, yeah, and there's a lot of conflict resolution or, you and know. negotiate pivots. And the moment, that's the scary. Well, like, pivots yeah. are scary because you're in the middle. Yeah, like, that's when the, they're that's like, the what did you part. actually do that? No, 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 no. That's yeah. not what we decided. Yeah. That's to protect the actors. No, that's those pivots are tricky. Those papers are really oh, yeah. tricky. Yeah. And well, it's, like, it's all part of consent. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Because you wouldn't do that if you were doing a car chase and go, you know, actually, no, we're just going to jump off the bridge. Right. Is yeah, that cool? Exactly. Everybody? Well, I you like what you're throw saying Throw a couple about, of punches in. Yeah, that's fine. I, I think the, the bringing on an intimacy coordinator, and it kind of ties into what you do, the rehearsing the sex scenes two days before, just taking the time to, to elevate the scene is huge. It's huge. As opposed to, let's go. 
Kate, Emily, question, answer. If you had the most brilliant idea. I do. What is it? I'm not telling you. No, fine. Let's say you had the most brilliant idea for a new TV show. Oh, different okay. category. Okay. What would you do? What would be your first step? You have this idea that you dream about. You think about while you're eating, about while you're walking around, about while you're listening to this right now. And all you want to do is yell it into whatever listening device you have. I have the most brilliant idea. This is a TV show that should exist in the world. I mean, I'd probably tell you. But then I don't know. I don't. How would I get it made? You know what I would tell you to do? If you told me. I would tell you. But you're not really you. Like in this case scenario, we're not us. Great. Just stay with me here. Then I would tell you you should submit to ATX Television Festivals the pitch competition. That's a great idea. Yes. That is a great idea, except I'm not eligible. Nope. You are not. Okay. So because I'm not eligible, whoever is listening to this, can you do me a favor? If you have a great idea, it's just, it's sad that I can't make my dream come true this way, but you can. You should submit to the pitch competition. But Emily, will you tell me, I mean them, how to do that? Yes. You go to atexfestival.com backslash pitch. Great. Step one, internet. Internet. And then all you have to do is submit a 90-second video pitch of your idea. It does have to be a scripted idea. Okay. No, we are not making reality shows at this point in time. Great. Scripted. And you also have to have a five to ten page writing sample. Okay. Check. Two things. So you go, you fill out the form, you upload them. There are very specific instructions on how to do that. FAQs, I'm sure. And you have until January 17th. Just mark that day on your calendar. Right. And then through a series of rounds mm-hmm. with some of our screeners and judges. Like the Blacklist and Sundance Labs and executives and such. And TV runners and producers. Not and TV fans. People who make well, TV. But they I are mean, all TV fans. Great. Great. Then after that, we... They are our judges, select the top 10 finalists, uh-huh. and those top 10 finalists pitch live at the festival. Oh, and like they, a live studio audience. Yes, like a live studio audience. Oh, and then the winner is then mentored by one of our judges mm-hmm. or other ATX panelists, mm-hmm. and then you get to pitch live to yeah, at you, pitch you like, definitely pitch live. But, you pitch but then you get to pitch to our studio network partners. Oh, to maybe like see if they want to buy it? Uh, the, to then make the TV show. <gasps> Guys, you're so lucky. I'm screwed, but <laughs> you're lucky because like I'm it's it's I'm guessing it's illegal for me. You said that, right? Yep. It's illegal for it me. It is to definitely do it. illegal for you to submit this way. Great. I'll um, find another way. But you guys do this. It's much simpler. But if you go to atxfestival.com backslash pitch, all the information is there. But really the only thing that you have to have is an amazing idea for a new TV show and a writing sample. Yep. From now until when did you say? When does it end? January 17th. Great. atxfestival.com backslash pitch. I'm just asking for a friend. We'll tell your friend they should go and pitch now. What does a closed set mean to you? Because we've seen every version of what that means to other people. (laughs) So... We live in this really interesting world in film and TV where we have these these terms, but they don't have, there's no, there's no lexicon. There's no actual definition of a closed set. I, I was sitting down with someone from SAG recently, and I said, do you know you don't have a definition for nudity? I mean, what is nudity? What what requires an, uh, a nudity and, or a nudity writer? And, and he said, we don't even have a definition for television. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Problem. I mean, and with yeah. new media and everything. So, yeah. yeah, you know, there. So, closed set is one of those things where, and and it's it's very difficult for um, any new thing to come on and people not to take it as blame. So, even with my saying, "Hi, I'm here to help make this better," they're going, "Well, we've done nothing wrong. We've done nothing wrong in the past." And it's like, yeah. "Listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here for you. I didn't I'm, touch her. I swear." Oh, right, yeah. right, right, and right. It's like, listen, I have, I have been on sets and done actions, just working as a, as a stunt performer five years ago. That I look back on and go, "Wow, there were really a lot of better ways I could have handled that." Um, so I think that goes into the reception as well of people, you know, some people are like, I'm so happy you're here. Please don't take any control away from me whatsoever. Um, which, you know, in, in general, I'm not, I'm, I'm more providing just the framework for things. Um, but for close set, I swear I'm going to answer the question you asked me. <laughs> um, uh, 
what we basically say, it's gonna be different for every set, but it's always communicated. There's a closed set bulletin. We have a bulletin on call sheets if there's indigenous critters, if there are stunts going on. So we have a bulletin for if there's a closed set that says exactly what that is, who is on the list to be at the closed set, how many monitors are up, um, and if there are any changes, we talk to the actors about it and we make sure that everyone is consenting to it. Um, so we have really specific thing. And there are some directors that work in a certain way where they're like, they're the only ones in the room and there's no monitors on whatsoever. And it's like, that's fine. I'm still going to be in the room with you then behind. That's great. That's a great protection because we've definitely all been on those closed sets. And you're like, why are all those people standing over there? Oh, there's a monitor. And it's and it's just it's exposing. And I've heard the argument, you know, well, it's go they're going to be on TV. They know what they're signing up for. It goes right back to context, it though. Does. You know, that, that reminds me of uh, the next part, because um, about knowing it's going to be on TV, because living in the digital age, all that stuff goes on the Internet and it never dies. Yeah. And it's you doing something as an artist in the context of the show. But then once it's taken apart. Like, you know, the nudity stuff comes out frame by frame right. on, on websites. Mm. I mean, it's a completely different ballgame. It's so interesting. I, you just have, it would be so great to have a person like you in the care because to have some sort of control, because once it's done, it really is everywhere. And there is a valid point to the monitors because it's everywhere, dissected, blown up. Mm. It just is. I mean, it's really tricky. I, um, my two actresses had never, well, actually all my actors had never done sex scenes where, you know, I have a lot of, uh, first time actors for this kind of thing. Um, and I promised, especially Melissa, um, I promised her that there would be one, um, monitor and that's the monitor we all use and it's, you know, blacked out. It's, we make a little casita, you know, <laughs> so we like, and, um, and she, there's no, like there's no phones like there's a, oh, all, a bunch of rules of the thing because she was like I don't want to stand up on the on the internet I'm like okay then that's my responsibility that it doesn't you know um, which you know and everyone's out of there it, those are those are I mean that's the least we can do for the actors you know like, like also they um, the, those two days after we do the choreography they have their um, opportunity to change their minds and mm -hmm. they and they know that. You know, they, it's part of the not just the contract, but with me, too. It's like yeah. you can change your mind and we can come back and redo this. And yeah. even on the day, they can change their mind. And I think knowing that is safety, you know, a lot of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, too, because I anytime I talk with a new executive producer when I'm being brought on and they're like, well, how often do people withdraw their consent because you give them that opportunity? Right. And I'm like, barely yeah. any. I think right. I've had it happen twice in my time as a coordinator. And it's because and both times the actor did not know all the information ahead of time. Yeah, that's the key. I think it all just comes down to communication. Yeah. A lot of it in advocating and having it be from the top down, I think, is really crucial. Um, I'm curious. There's been a lot of talk on some of the bigger shows and, uh, you know, Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> About the use of, you know, sort of sexual violence and, and the gratuity of that and that maybe something that's in a book um, or in a time period and is natural to that time period, um, maybe audiences don't really have the patience for it anymore. I'm just curious, do people feel like they're kind of tired of seeing rape used as just a moment in a story to move on from? Yeah. Yeah. How do you think we can deal with this in in our writing and in our shows? I mean, is it really a matter of more women on the page, more women behind the camera and in front of the camera to sort of move away from using that as just a trope? I want to say yes, but that that's not that would be too easy, right? That um, because we've been steeped in this kind of culture, all of us as consumers of entertainment, that it, you, it, women might also have this gaze, you know? Um, I don't think it's just, and there's amazing allies that would not use rape also for to make a, uh, a woman like, oh, now she's gonna be crazy. She's gonna kill people because she got raped. And the, you know, like that's like the oldest trope in the thing too. And that's like super um, easy. I don't, I don't know the answer. I hope that our distaste for it starts to be so big that it sort of just uh, makes it go away. Yeah. I just wish that um, there, well, one, I think filming less of them is is always 
kind of cool. You know, you can say a lot with a closed door. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I think about the acting is a tricky thing sometimes. I think about the accused and Jodie Foster. I think about some of those really dramatic things. And, um, you know, it's a lot to go through, you know, and and there's there's work to be done to process that out. Um, But I think in terms of storytelling, if you're going to have a rape, what I would really prefer is to really see the woman or the man really deal with it in a real way. I think to back to your Game of Thrones reference, she says, oh, well, if all that hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be who I am. And and it's kind of like, well, we skipped a couple steps, you know, <laughs> so I feel like in storytelling, if you're going to do that, you have an obligation to, to walk the character through that. Not just, oh, she got, you know what I'm saying? Because. A lot of it happens to us in real life, and we don't understand how the trauma affects people. And I think if I were going to saddle us with anything as storytellers, specifically um, as women, you know, a lot of people don't understand what women go through. And that's why they don't understand, like, well, why is she coming up 20 years later blaming this guy for what happened? They don't understand the mental journey, the, the trauma, because in a movie, it's like a little snippet. Yeah. So I think that's our obligation. Tell the whole story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can be incredibly triggering for audiences to see somebody react in a way that doesn't feel natural, and I imagine for actors as well to process that out. What's the mental health component that you bring to a production for somebody who's going through, you know, a more violent sex scene? You know, honestly, the the mental health component by definition, has to live throughout it, even when there is a fully consensual, fun sex scene that we're filming. Um, Because it's it's one of those things that's so difficult not to, um, or at least I have found uh, actors, and including myself, having more difficulty um, separating the personal to the story they're telling. Um, And I think a lot of that is because of our culture and because of how we handle sex in our culture and society and um, there's so much shame that we have yep. in it. Um, so, you know, when when we're talking through this, because um, uh, I, I talk to every actor and, you know, on The Deuce, we have a ton of background that are doing nudity and simulated sex. I talk to every single one of them the, at least a day, That's usually wonderful. two or three days before they get on set so they know exactly what to expect and what the story is. Um, and I always, and I ask every actor, you know, have you done any nudity or simulated sex before? So I know what's what they're coming into. And the stories I get back are, are all of, all of what you spoke of and, and far and far worse. Um, and so a lot of them are coming with their own trauma. So for myself and for the other intimacy coordinators that, um, I'm, that I train, uh, I make sure that everyone has trauma, has trauma education. Everyone understands mental health first aid. If someone is triggered during a scene or before a scene, um, how to handle that, when to know when it is time to, okay, we do have to stop, or you've got two more takes left and we have to give this, these actors a break, um, there is a component of a, a huge component of that with everything, um, with with every day that I'm on set, and that includes also, you know, I've had sound ops who have just like put their boom down, looked at me, and said, "I left set two years ago sobbing, and I'll never be the same." Wow! Because they were there while someone was saying, was telling the you know actors, "Just go for it, go for it, go for it." I think the mental health component is huge. Yeah. It's just huge yeah. because you know all of us have a life that existed before we walked on set. And, and so I think there's like one in four people are victims of trauma. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you were just sort of walking amongst us and to walk into sort of a charged situation. It's just so nice. Even if the person doesn't want to use it, it's there for them and maybe they will. I think it's really, really huge. And for the future of what we do, it's imperative. Mm. Uh, I mean, we, we want to, we have this magical thinking around the emotional lives that actors that actors live. Um, and even this magical thinking of like, oh, we go into the sex scene and it's all closed and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, you have a husband to go home to. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> right? Like, well, I mean, it's, it's just real. And then they have their issues, like your partners. Yeah, they right. have they have their issues and how they feel about it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing. And now that I have kids, I think about, hmm, which scene do I want to do today? You know, because... Mm-hmm. You can, you're a very free artist, but you don't want to, you can't operate in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think as long as you walk in aware. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely my kids would say, well, can we watch Outlander? And I was like, no. <laughs> Mommy, when are you going to watch something we can write? When I get out of cable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, Tanya, how long did you rehearse and choreograph that orgy? A few hours. Um, they came two days before, and because there were so many moving parts that we didn't even see. Mm -hmm. um, that took like a whole day to, to do. They were up because it just, it was a floating camera, you know? So yeah. these poor actors, so athletic because they have to keep, <laughs> but like, but, but, it, but it's a not, dance yeah, it it's is dance it's like a dance sequence. Oh, yeah. and you have to be aware where the camera's coming in and then do the thing we choreograph. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. it was a lot and uh, they were so great. Um, to be, and then, and then Melissa was fantastic too, because she was in the, at the center of it and being very athletic and, and, uh, too, and, and, um, just willing, you know, and kind to the other actors. I really, I really was proud of her that day. Um, I have a question. Don't you think if we treated it more like a dance sequence, that that would take some of the weight off of it? Like yeah. we're going to do this dance and this is how it goes. Yeah. Mm. I think yeah. that's a brilliant idea. And I also, for somebody, you mentioned Melissa had come to Vita with no. No. And prior. that was her big, like, accepting the role. We we had to have dinner. She was like, I'm, she, like, she'd been um, um, here from Mexico she, um, two weeks when she got the role. She, we, we had to wait for her papers to come through because, um, she was like, oh, my God, what are they going to think in Mexico? You know? And that's a real concern. Oh, I know. Absolutely. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So and so we had to talk talk it through. I'm like, oh, Stars is not in Mexico yet. No. <laughs> 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 but, <I was> like, <laughs> but no, now, now it is. But but she she was so concerned and it was full nudity when I what I wanted. And um, she was like, I can't. I was like, OK, all right. I just wanted to see, you know, this is the story that we can shoot this story. However, it's just that this is a free, she's a free person. She's mm -hmm. like a free hippie, pseudo hippie. Um, and, and so we worked it out a uh, little by little with each. I remember the first, um, sex scene that she had with Johnny and the stairs and they both had never done it. And they were so, I, I love them so much because they were just looking at each other like, we got this. Okay. We can do this for each other because they'd never done it, you know, and That's they brilliant. were so nervous and we like cleared the, like it was, um, I want to say that the director, um, uh, did, no, I don't know. Like it was like very few people. Um, uh, and it, it was great because it, because we gave them so much power and agency mm -hmm. that then the next one was easier. Next one, so by the time we got to season two, she was like, you know, then it was fine. We were all naked. So she was like, she was like, but it was ours. It, the, the discomfort is not just like, oh, people are looking at me naked. It's uncomfortable, like mm -hmm. physically, because it's like a battle scene or something, especially oh, an yeah. orgy, you know? Yes. It's like stunts. Yeah. You're just paid to be uncomfortable. You're paid to be uncomfortable <laughs> in uncomfortable positions and chairs and, and places, you know? And so I, I feel for them. Um, but it was, yeah. She, little by little, she, they all got more, you know. There was also, first season, we had um, this harrowing um, scene where um, uh, Ser Ansuati, uh, who plays Eddie, um, goes under a bathtub naked and screams under the water. Yeah. Just with her, because her wife is dead since she, mm -hmm. and we, uh, and they're non-binary, and um, they had requested only um, cis females on the set, you know, uh, or females, because we, we don't, uh, we at that time, we didn't have any trans people working for us. Second season, we did. Um, and we, that season we had a male director for that. So it was very, but we all did it cause it was not a sex scene, but it was something right. even more, I had to be even more careful. I feel like with, with Ser because it was so emotional. I mean, they, they were weeping and then they go underwater, which is already, and then they scream underwater, you know? Um, and it was it, so like that we had to be, we, and they were so, um, just thinking about it, nervous, I had to keep talking to him the two days before. Mm -hmm. And again, it wasn't about the nudity, it was that other stuff that like, you know, and um, so those scenes, yeah, I feel like you have to be really careful with your actors. Also, not just so they, they trust you for the next time, but also because you have to keep them well for the, you know, yeah. <laughs> to be okay. Season two. Yeah. Yeah, it kills me when talking about this, when people are, it's like, first, first, everyone's a human and let's treat them accordingly. Yeah. And then, and when they all furrow their brows, I'm like, also, this is better for your bottom line. They're like, ah, yes. Mm, okay. <laughs> like, I, I hate that that is how it goes, but well, that's... I would imagine if you, if you have you on set and there's no sort of, um, let's call them emotional outbursts or weirdness, then mm -hmm. everything just goes smoother. You stay on schedule. Oh, we're so much more efficient. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and it's all talked about ahead of time. We all know exactly what we're walking into and there's no, oh, we're seeing that, uh, costumes, do you, 
have the talking about it and the making it real seems important because people will dance around and use euphemisms for what they mean for as long as they possibly can. Well, it's so weird how we treat sex and nudity like that because we talk, we over talk everything else. I mean, the outfits we wear, the dial, I mean, like, right. Everything's planned out. Yeah. Like, oh, and then there's the sex scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. I, you, I usually say, listen, I'm going to explicitly state what's happening. Right. I want to, and sometimes it's explicitly stating the logic. Yeah. The and I think Vita here, does, so. you know, another Melissa scene that I think of is when Juniper comes to town and she eats his ass. That's an amazing yeah. scene. Yeah. Heteros are assy people. I have to say, <laughs> that's my thesis. She pegs, uh, she pegs Rudy with a, with a strap on the, the yeah. next season. That had to be talked about too. Um, just because it's, um, also it wasn't in the actor's repertoire, you know, too. <laughs> and so for, uh, Mish, uh, who I have a lot of, assy moments for her too. And she's like, I had to look some stuff up and the internet and she got a virus <laughs> on the internet. Cause she was like, how do you, Oh no. Cause like she was looking at so much like research. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. kind that gives you about, you know, cause uh, sometimes the stuff we have, uh, I don't want to say advanced cause it's whatever people are, what, you know, however they get pleasure, but like, um, it's, you know, not what the actors, you know, um, include in their, daily activities but for there, that. But there you are know? audiences who feel peg. seen, you know? Yeah, they see and, that and they go, oh, I'm not the only one who yeah. likes a little ass play. Absolutely. Like, this and is wonderful. Yeah, normalizing like, it. And like Melly, when she was, well, the, the, I feel so bad for, um, um, the actor was playing, um, the guy who was getting his ass eaten because it was <laughs> five or six hours of his legs up, right? That was a great shot. And, and, well, we had taped him so that, so that when Melissa was down there, there was, we had taped like a towel so that it's not, like there's don't you know so keeping both of them safe, but his his th- it got so tired hours like you know with with his legs up like that. Uh, so I was like, thank you for being such a trooper. Also, there were so many women just like I mean we asked you know, but like kind of like changing the sheets and uh, you know like touching him and stuff. And he was with his knees here the whole time. I was such a trooper. And then Melissa when she was she'd never even heard of the the strap on thing, and she had like the rhythm of it, all that stuff had to like, we had to walk her through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was another, an, another thing. But like, it's been, it's been funny when they're like, well, I've never, but now on Vida, I've done it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. It normalizes things for audiences and it normalizes for actors and it opens up the world of what we can tell within a sex scene. So for anybody who's an aspiring writer out there, you know, you don't have to bear your soul, but it's okay to bear more than you think you can, because I think a lot of people like to actually read, you know, exactly what you mean for the scene to be. And now you've heard from Nikki that that's, that's the most helpful for the people who are going to be performing. Oh yeah. I mean, it's because otherwise you're improving the sex scene and thinking that's when you start getting into blurred lines. I mean, the, the clearer the blueprint, the easier to embellish. And, and really take it to a magical place. Yeah. Right. I, I do want to say something about the whole improv situation. And I think a lot that I get from, and, and what sucks about it is that when you get down to it, it sort of becomes a philosophical conversation of, you know, I talk to directors and they say, well, I want it to be really, I want it to be really real. I want it to be really authentic. So I just want to let them do whatever they want to do. Hmm. And, and it's like, so at, at its core, are you asking your actors to perform something or are you asking them to roll around and get off on each other? Because if you're asking them yeah. to do that, you're asking them to do sex work. Right. Um, whereas, and, and if you, your fear is that it won't be authentic, um, and you don't think you can give actors blocking that they can do authentically, then maybe you should hire different actors or do better as a director. Just your actors more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think... But, you know, to me, that just sounds like someone who's uncomfortable, yeah. you know, really having that conversation. And that's part of what is in our culture is in an uncomfortability talking about sex. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't imagine anything more confusing than saying to two strangers who've never met, just do what feels natural. <laughs> like we've all had they say that all the time. awkward first they say that sex all the- experiences. <laughs> well- you don't want that on camera. Well, like, and, come on. <laughs> and or there is there is an option of like, you know, if we want to improv a little, where are our boundaries? Where are we not going? We know, know that no one's going here or here or here. And we know we're ending at the bed. We can play within that so as long dicey, as we know. Because I did a rape scene that was um, not planned out. We had been and it was just because, the, well, one, by the time I got to that show and that scene, I had done so much of this work 
that I was really clear on how to, well, like you, as the actors, you end up choreographing the scene. And I had a really cool acting partner and we choreographed it and did the dance. But I mean, I think about how much was in our hands, you know, but that particular, that particular moment. And it was a nudity. So that's why it was seen as not that big of a deal because the rape was going to occur sort of, you know, down there. Um, but yeah, it would just, you, it puts a lot of responsibility on the artist, you know, and just say, go for it. Yeah. Did you get a choreography credit for that? Because you should have, you know? Does that include a pay bump? Right? <laughs> like, like, I was just invoice them. <laughs> How would that go late. over? Like, like, like. I want to thank you guys so much for coming and talking about this. I think it's really groundbreaking. Thank you to ATX. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to sit up here and talk about all things sexy. That's it. That's our show. I was waiting for the camera to go off. Oh, there's a cut. The TV Campfire is produced by Caitlin McFarland, Emily Gibson, and AJ Myers, along with our audio partner, Five Ohm Productions. Mark your calendars. ATX TV Festival Season 9 is happening June 4th through 7th, 2020 in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit atxfestival.com and follow us on social media at ATX Festival. And be sure to check out our episode notes for a very special discount on badges exclusive to TV Campfire podcast listeners. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And stay tuned for even more exclusive releases each week.